Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more information about us, please visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. All right, church, how you doing? We good? We awake? I'm just so over winter. It is the worst. I used to be a big winter fan, and then I had children, and now it just means it's cold and dark, and we're all stuck inside, and I'm losing my mind. I'd tear my hair out, but God took care of that. It's been a long week, um, and anyone else just fighting just like every sickness in the whole wide world? I've been running from one room, taking care of one person, to the other, taking care of another, and trying to find time to do this. And I taught Wednesday, and I'm, uh, I was teaching this morning, and uh, I'm just tired, and my daughter's finally starting to feel better. And I was in there with her last night, checking on her for bed, and, and I said, okay. She's like, are you going to lay by me? And I was like, no, I got to go, go everything for tomorrow. And she goes, you don't look too good, Dad. <laughs> I said, what? She goes, you look tired. I don't know how tomorrow's going to go. <laughs> she said, you better really pray. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> and, she, and she was like, I'll pray for you. Good night. <laughs> I was like, all right. So um, sweet little kid, kind of. Um, so anyways, it has been a long week, and I was tired. And um, so I covet your prayers this morning as we dive into something um, that was very, what I thought was going to be difficult to prepare for, uh, turned into challenging, um, convicting. And I, I say this a lot when I preach. I pray that we don't walk in the same, or we don't leave the same way we walked in. That's always my prayer when I preach, that we wouldn't leave the room the same way we walked in, or we would make the hard choice not to. We would make the hard choice to say, no, I'm going to leave the same way I walked in. Um, and so this week it was fun because um, we get to address that right away. And, I, and I'm really excited. And so I pray that just for these next few moments, um, maybe you had a hard, long week like I did, and you're running on empty, and you need the Lord to refresh or renew and restore you. Um, mm, let's get after it together this morning, shall we? Would you, uh, uh, I know we just prayed, but um, I don't want to say we're going to over-pray. I don't know if that's a thing. Um, I haven't... You know, I'm sure I could have missed one word in the book, so let's, uh, let's just do it, and let's get after it this morning. Are you ready, church? You ready? Lord Jesus, we are so thankful for you today. We're thankful that your word is alive and well, and it speaks mightily and profoundly, that it stirs us up, that it convicts us, and that it can cause us to soar, Lord Jesus. May that's what your word does today. May you remove me from anything that I may do to get in the way of what you want to say, Jesus, and may you speak loudly and profoundly. God, I pray in earnest that we don't walk out of this room the same way we walked in. We ask this in your name. Amen. We are in week high 30s of our series on Jesus, and we are entering into the home stretch on this series, and we are going to be wrapping it up in a few weeks and um, I think you may have noticed something happening in our church, right? We have a saying we say at my house all the time. Um, when Casey and I are talking, my wife, we'll be talking about something, and we'll just be like, seasons, man. Like, seasons, right? Like, this seems like this, but we're like, no, seasons. Everything's for a season. And I feel like we are entering into a new season at this church. Would you agree? 
And I feel like God has been doing things around, centered around what Tim has been saying, around beginning and ending with prayer. And I feel like God has used this series to prime us for a new season that we weren't ready for yet. That we had to walk through what we're walking through in order to get to what God has for us. And I also believe there are roadblocks that could keep us from entering that season. And those roadblocks are our hearts. That God has something for us, that he's leading us somewhere and he has been setting us up and priming us for a season we've been walking through and he has a new season for us, but yet here we are. And the question is, are we going to enter in that season or not? And I think in order for us to fully grasp this as we enter the end of our series through Jesus is to go back to the beginning. Isn't that always kind of the case, right? We read the first chapter of the book or the last chapter of this book and they have the same picture. It's kind of all connected. So in order to do that, I want us to go back to the beginning of Jesus' ministry. In Matthew um, chapter four, um, it's important to note John the Baptist was going around, right? And he was preparing a way for the Messiah and getting everybody ready and getting everybody ready and telling him he's coming, he's coming, he's coming and he's baptizing and Jesus shows up. And I always picture it like out of a movie, like Jesus is out of a full um, Pantene Pro-V commercial with his long wavy hair walking in. It's glowing and he's wearing a white robe because that's all Jesus wore, right? That's all the pictures show. Um, and he shows up and he's baptized and he comes up and the dove comes down, it's all these things. But then Jesus goes into the wilderness and he fasts and he prays and he prays and he prays and he prays and he's tempted. And he leaves the praying and the fasting and the tempting and he begins his ministry. And how does he begin it? What is at the heart? What is the number one thing? Like if Jesus was about one thing, what was it? And it came out of the season of prayer and fasting. This is how he began. Matthew 4, verse 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, repent. For the kingdom of heaven has come near. It all begins with repentance. All of it begins with repentance. You see what I mean when I said this was hard? <laughs> I began this week being like, man, this is going to be tough. And I ended this week, just a few moments, I was upstairs in the office and I'm like, Lord, just overwhelm me. I was praying, God, help me get through this. Help me to not forget. Help me to say the right things. And the Lord just hit me. And I dropped and I was like, Lord, I need to do this again. It all begins with repentance. And all through scripture, you see the same thing happen over and over and over again from Genesis all the way to the New Testament. Every time people come out of seasons of, of intense prayer, fasting, they always lead to one thing, repentance all these seasons of prayer and focusing on the Lord. Lord, what do you have for me? What do you have for me? What do you have for me? The immediate next step throughout all the scripture is the same. Repent. That's the next step. Repent. And I think we've used this repentance as like an old word, right? Like it's an old thing. It's actually in the New Testament just as much as it is in uh, the new, well, new and the old, same amount. It talks about repentance, the same thing over and over and over. And I was thinking about this. I was like, how do I define what repentance is? So I went back and looked at like the original Webster's Dictionary of what repentance was. And I love this definition so much. Listen, this is what repentance. When I say, what does it mean to repent? It says this. It is the relinquished of any practice from conviction that it has offended God. Whoa. It is the relinquish of any practice from the conviction that it has offended God. Any action that you and I have, any action that could offend a just, right, pure, holy, perfect, righteous God, relinquish it. Let it go. Lord, I need to repent of this action, all of it. 
And we see, this is seen through scripture over and over again, right? Why do we have to repent? Well, it's written out, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The Bible commends that we do it. Uh, nobody comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life. I am the way. Nobody comes. You gotta repent. I am the way, the truth, and life. And yet God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him, call him my name, repent of their sins, I will hear them and I will give you eternal life. Why do we repent, church? Because the Bible commends that people that repent. It commends it. That's why. Why do we repent? Because our wickedness demands it. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Justice requires it. We're gonna repent. I wanna be made right with God. Justice requires it. Christ preached it. How did he begin? Repent, the kingdom of heaven is near. And God expects it. That's why. Acts 17.30, it says, God commands all people everywhere to repent. It's a heavy room right now, right? This is fun, huh? Repentance, church. The Bible commends it. Our wickedness demands it. Justice requires it. Christ preached it, and God expects it. Repentance. This is not a old thing. Let's go look at um, David, though. You open the Psalms. Psalm 51. We have the great King David, okay? He was named, anyone know, what was David named, known as? A man after what? God's own heart. The great David, the man after God's own heart. David, the giant slayer. David, the shepherd boy who was anointed king. David, the king of Israel. David, the great psalmist and singer, got caught up in his own sin. David got caught up. He let it get the best of him, didn't he? And he sinned with Bathsheba and the events that led after that. And as equally as hard as that was, you know the horrible thing about this, and there's so many lives were affecting all these things, but David hung on to that sin for a year. In the Psalms, the records show that the kingdom was silent for a year. No Psalms were written, no choruses were played. For a year, the kingdom was in silence because David was walking around, carrying around the weight and the burden of his sin. And it took Nathan showing up and being like, David, stop. Dude, you gotta repent. You gotta get right with God. And so David begins to pour out his heart to the Father. And this is what we see in Psalm 51. David cries, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Create in me a pure heart, O God. When's the last time you prayed a prayer like that? Create in me a pure heart, O God. You know, we were at the uh, a day with gathering um, a few months ago and Shane was here talking and Shane said something and he said a lot of good things, but he said one thing that I have thought about multiple times a day, every single day since he said it. It has really been just getting at me. He said this sentence. He said, we got to make holiness cool again. You know, we want revival. We want God to do incredible things, but we got to make holiness cool again. And I think what we've done, and now I'm, I, am, I am preaching to myself above all else this morning. I want you to hear me say this. What we've done is we've shied away from holiness because we've got it confused with legalism. That's why. 
So we think, I don't want to pursue holiness because I don't want to be legalistic. So what we've done is we, we get away from legalism because legalism is a way like they're wrong and I'm right. And that's what legalism does. Legalism makes their wrongness be me more right. Holiness makes you right with the Father. So we don't run from holiness. We pursue it. And we've got wrapped up. Like, I can't act this way. My sin actually isn't that big of a deal because it makes me more like everyone else. And it'll actually make them drawn to the Father. Let me say that a different way. Acting less like Jesus draws people toward him. And yet we excuse our language. We excuse what we watch. We excuse our thoughts. They're not that big of a deal. I don't need to do it because I don't want to be legalistic. Like I can't do anything wrong. And this is what Shane said. Because you know what? We have this view. God is gracious and God is merciful and he is. And God is good and God is forgiving. And he is all goodness and he is all mercy and he is all grace and he is all loving and he is all hope. And God hates sin. Both of those things are true. God is gracious and mercy and loving and hope and forgiveness, and God hates sin. If we want to see revival happen, we want to see God do big, giant things in this new season, when we got to make holiness something we pursue again. We've got to be seen right with the Father. This is not just something that's found in the Psalms. You flip to Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Do we have that verse? I don't know if we do. There it is. This is Paul writing. He says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Church, do you realize that repentance isn't a bad thing? It's actually the greatest thing that's ever happened in the history of mankind. Repent because your sins may be wiped out. Then times of refreshing may come from the Lord. I feel like we fear repentance. We don't want to talk about it. I don't want to make the act of repentance because it's somehow a bad thing. And I'm like, yeah, the Lord refreshing and renewing your soul is really a, tr a struggle. no. This is why we run to the altar, because it refreshes. Like, church, do you not grasp it, that you have no sin, past, present, or future, that has more power than the cross of Jesus Christ? None. This means that your salvation was not a past event alone. It means that Christ even now is continuing to save you. He didn't forgive your past sins and leave it up to you and me to conquer our present and future sins, which means it doesn't matter what kind of junk you brought in this room. God wants to rescue you. God wants to save you. He wants to refresh you. He wants to renew you today. And it doesn't matter what you're struggling with. You do not disgust God with the way in which you live your life. God's not watching you and regretting paying the price for you in full. You would say, well, Caleb, you don't know what I'm struggling with. You don't want it's like to bring that down here and give it up to the Lord. So you don't know what I'm walking with. Well, I would say that God paid the bill in full. So that's nonsense. That's the lie of the enemy right now telling you why you need to stop listening, that this isn't for you, that whatever you have is too much. No, 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 no. Repentance is a way it refreshes our soul. But church, listen, listen, listen. It's time that we at this church stop considering calls of God as ideas. We have to stop viewing calls of God as ideas. What do I mean? Let's go to Matthew chapter 21. Turn my notes. Matthew 21. Jesus is talking. I'm just going to read through it and we'll go back. Tarantino style. That's a movie joke. Matthew 21 verse 28. What do you think? Jesus is talking to the religious leaders. And I love it. He's like, what do you think? I'm going to pose a question. There was a man who had two sons. 
He went to the first son and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered. But later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two men, which of the two did what the father wanted? The first, they answered. Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to show you the way of the righteous, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Let's go back. First part. Son, go work today in the vineyard. Um, We could spend about four hours on these few verses, but we only have three, so we got to get going. Um, It says, son, go work today in the vineyard. I want to focus on just this part. Son, he begins there. Son, daughter. He spoke to the son individually. He did not speak to both boys together. He could have. He gave them the same task, right? He said the exact same thing. Son, go work, to, go work today in the vineyard. But he didn't. He spoke to them individually. The call to repentance is not a call for us. It's not a call for them or we. The call of repentance is the individual call. Son, daughter, The call to repent is not something God is telling to OKC Community Church this morning. He's telling it to Caleb Josiah Kenny, repent. It's an individual call. Tim Mannon, repent. It is an individual call, son, daughter. It is not to us, because it's easy when it says, yeah, we as a church are thinking about repentance. No, 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 no. The call is individual. It's what he said to them at the very end. You didn't believe. You didn't repent and believe in him. This is an individual call. Son, daughter, repent. It is you. Not us, you. Son, go work today in the vineyard. He says, go work. Participate in the family business, right? That's what you're supposed to do. Son, go work, not play, work in the family business. And what is the family business for those who belong to the Father? Repent, for the kingdom is near. It's about advancing the kingdom of God. And you begin with one simple phrase, repent, for the kingdom of God. We gotta be a part of the family business. Go work. He says, go work today. Right now, right in this moment, today, go work. Um, I think so often we respond to God's calls as I will. And that's kind of where it dies. Um, My daughter, um, bless her, she is the slowest person that the Lord's ever created. Ever, ever. And I'm coming, you will know where we are because I'm going, come on, Rosie, come on, come on, Rosalind. On the hop, on the hop, let's go, let's go, let's go, on the hop, on the hop. She's like, I'm coming, Dad. And and she, she doesn't bother her. She says, the other day we were in the car and she said, you know, Dad, um, God just made me slow. <laughs> God made me slow. And I'm like, okay, baby, whatever, whatever, whatever you want. Here's my wallet. Um, it's rough. She says, God made me slow. I told her, I told her the other day, I said, Rosalind, uh, Rosalind, I need you to go clean your room. And she said, I will. I said, no, 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 no. That is not the answer. I said, Rosalind, go clean your room. She said, I will. I said, no. And my daughter's school, they have to say uh, affirmations as they begin every day. And it's like, like, it's like four pages. I'm like, I don't know what kindergarten's like now. It wasn't like that. I went there and was just like, cool, red, blue. Um, um, they had to say affirmations. And one of their affirmations is, I obey my authorities immediately and completely. And so uh, I say, Rosalind, go clean your room. She says, I will. And I said, hey, what do we do with authority? She said, we obey them immediately and completely. She went and she cleaned her room. How different would our church look 
if we obeyed the Father immediately and completely. We'd look a little different. If we didn't answer him in I will, but we obeyed immediately and completely, hey, you should really be, you need to pick up the phone and call that person who's walking through stuff, and you need to ask them if you can pray for them. I will. What if we actually did it? We actually obeyed immediately and completely. He says, today, son, today, in the vineyard, and the New King James says, my vineyard. It is the Father's work. And I think I can say some things um, with some certainty and some things with 100% certainty. There is no greater work than what Jesus came down and did here for us. There is nothing greater than the fact that Jesus came to seek and save all those who would believe in him. His work is the most important thing. It's time to get to work in the Father's vineyard. Would you agree, church? It's the most important thing. Son, go work today in the vineyard. The first son answered, I will not, but he regretted it and later went. You see, he didn't want to bend to the Father's will. You know, sometimes my daughter, I say, go clean your room. She's like, no. And then I look at her and she's like, I'm on it. I'm on it. My son does it all the time. Anytime he'll like throw something at Sissy, he'll do it and he'll throw something at her. I go, Wallace. And he goes, I know, time out. (laughs) Kid thought it out. He said no, but then he changed his mind and went. He spoke wrong, but did right. The second son says, I will, sir, but did not go. You see, he said the right thing. Yes, I will. He said it the right way, sir, but he didn't go. And the truth is, we're a lot like the second son. We admit the word of God is true. We intend to get serious about it someday. We talk about doing the work of God. We keep up the appearance of our religion and our faith by coming and saying and and saying all the right things, but we don't actually have hearts that have actually have done what he said when he calls us to repent and be right in the eyes of the Lord. We think words and promises are enough, and all so often our I wills end in empty promises. And that is dangerous, friends, because we know better. And that is dangerous because it's a lie to the Holy Spirit. And hear this, it is dangerous because it hardens our conscience. It's the lie of the yes, God calls me to do something, and I say yes, so I feel like I've done what he's called me to do. And that hardens our conscience. And after time and time and time, you say, God's calling me to do this, God's calling me, and I say, yes, I will, yes, I will, yes, I will, yes, I will. And it dies at the yes. And we have this false sense of I'm doing the things that God's called me to do because I've said yes to them. Who did the Father's will? This is easy, right? It's the first son. Stubborn, unrepentant hearts are a problem. They're a problem. This is what I mean. Repentance is not an idea. It is an event. Repentance is not an idea. It's an event. It's an action. It's something that happens. It's the only way you can fully experience what God has for you. To not walk out of here carrying the same weight and same sin and same burden that you walked in. God says, cast all your cares upon me. Bring me all your anxieties, all your fears, all your sins, and I will renew, refresh, and restore you. And I say, and we say, I will, and we walk out carrying the same junk you walked in this room with. 
And you feel just as heavy when you walked into church as you do when you walk out. And our conscience gets a little bit harder because we say, I should do that. I will. And we walk out the same way. Saying yes to an idea when God's calling you to an event, to action. God desires to refresh, renew, and restore us through repentance. And we let our fear of bringing something to an all-loving, merciful, holy God who desires to give, us ever, to give us the life that he has for us, we let that fear keep us in our seats. And if we continue to do that, it will stop us from entering into the season he has for us. That I'm sure of. Stubborn, unrepentant hearts are dangerous. And friends, that should change the way it should have a direct result and change the way we view the mission God has set us out on. Understanding the importance of repentance in your life should change the way in which we view what God has for us. Look at Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. It'll be on the screen. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. Man, this is heartbreaking. But the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Church, verse 35. Man, if you've got a Bible in front of you, underline it, highlight it, remember it, tattoo it on your arm, whatever it needs to be. Jesus went. He went. He didn't sit around and wait for the people to come to him. He went. Where did he go? He went to the towns and the villages and teaching in the synagogues. He went. He got out of the chair and went. He was on a mission. Jesus went. Verse 36, when he saw those who were, saw those who were suffering, he had compassion on them. Make sure you're reading this the right way. Jesus wasn't sad they were suffering. He was sick over it. He wasn't sad for those that were separated from God. He was sick over it. He was burdened in his soul to his innermost core. He couldn't help but go. He was sick over it. He went. The harvest is full and the workers are few. He says, so send out the workers. Again, church, this is not an idea that's good. It's an action that is necessary for us to do the Father's work. To call those in our lives to repentance. That's the call. It was 2007. I was at a conference and Christine Kane was speaking. And she said something that I'll never forget. She's in the middle of her message and she was about halfway through and she just stopped. She's like, we're not getting it. And she said, God is obsessed with the lost. He is obsessed and consumed with them. He did all that he could by sending his son Jesus to pay the price for their sins. And after doing all that he could possibly do, he took a step further by sending us, his church, to go and make disciples. So what are you doing in your seat right now? Jesus went to call those to repentance that they may have everlasting life that is a free gift to them, to you, to me. He went. God is obsessed 
and consumed with it. How sad would it be that after 50 weeks of talking about Jesus, we thought all of these things that we talked about were really good ideas for us. Wouldn't that crush you? 50 weeks of Jesus, man, that was really good for us. Jesus went, he went, he went, he went. Make friends, love on them, but we have this habit we do. I know I like to make friends and uh, I'm gonna love my neighbors. I'm gonna do these things. I'm gonna you know, make sure they know some point, hopefully they'll know that I believe in God. And then hopefully organically, they're gonna ask me to lead them to Jesus. You know, if that happened, our church would be about five times bigger than it is right now. We, it is hard to find a more welcoming, friendly, compassionate, loving, accepting church than what sits in front of me. We are these things. But Jesus went. He didn't wait and hope it would happen somehow on their part. That they would just magically walk up to us one day after four years of knowing that we believe in God, even though we never uh, invite them into the things of God. We never get to the point of their need for God and these things like this. And maybe, hey, would you just tell me how to become a believer? And, and we're like, oh, yes, it finally happened. You see, because I'm not interested in being a part of a country club on 23rd Street. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in being a part where the floodgates of the Spirit of God are being poured out. That's what I'm interested in. I want to be a part of a place where salvations are being poured out on the people of the city. I want to be part of a place where we're seeing addiction broken, marriages healed, sickness gone, fear vanquished. That's what I want to be a part of. And you know how we get that? If my people would humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways and I will hear them from heaven and I will heal their land. And we like to humble themselves and pray and seek my face, but we gotta turn from our wicked ways. We gotta be people who repent to be refreshed Repent because we have a desire for holiness and pure hearts and to be made right in the eyes of the Father. We gotta be those people. We gotta be people who are burdened for the lost. Burdened to not make this an idea. Burdened to make it an action. The action of repentance. The action to actively be people who go into the vineyard and work in the Father's business. That's what we gotta be true. That's the call in our lives. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads for just a moment. Give you space with you and God. Church, it can't just be an idea that we leave with. It's gotta be an action. And God is doing something in this church, in this community. We're praying and asking God for revival. We're praying and asking God for salvation. We're praying and asking God to do things that only he can. Church, let's not get in the way of those things by having stubborn, unrepentant hearts. Maybe you're in this room and you've never, never repented ever, never said, Lord, here I am. I'm a sinner. I'm separated from you. All of a sudden I'm falling short. Lord, don't leave here the same way you walked in. It's as simple as, Jesus, I believe you are who you said you are. I repent of my sins. I want to make you Lord of my life and follow you all of my days. And he will be with you, be with you, be with you, walk beside you, restore you. Church, I know, I know that you're walking around like David was 
carrying around some sin that's been eating at you that you haven't taken to the Father. I know. What if our prayer, your real prayer this morning was, God, I want to have a pure heart right with you. What if that was your prayer? You need to come down this morning and repent. Say, Lord, I want to be made right with you. I want to be pursue holiness with you. And I've got this thing that I'm holding on to and I'm wrestling with and struggling with. And I want to walk out of here carrying the same weight I walked in the room with. Don't walk out of here with it. And we got to be a church that isn't sad over the suffering of those who don't know Jesus. We got to be a church that's sick over it. That is burdened for those that don't know Jesus. And be people who aren't satisfied with hoping it organically happens on their part. Being a church that say, no, we're going to get out of our seats and go. Because there are people that are separated from Jesus and that isn't okay with us. And it crushes us. We want to lead them to repentance. Church, my prayer this morning is that we would come to the altar as people not afraid and not ashamed, but as people needing to be renewed, restored, and refreshed. A refreshing that comes with a repentance to a forgiving, merciful, good, just Father. That we would relinquish every action that we hold on, holding on to that could offend God. That we would fill up the altar and relinquish actions that offend him. We would be people that have repentant hearts who want to be part of a community where the spirit of God is being poured out, where people's lives are being flipped upside down. And we are able to do that because our hearts are made right with God because we call out God, create in us pure, right hearts that we may be used by you. Repentance makes us right it makes us new, and it makes us his. Church, relinquish whatever it is you've been holding on to. Don't walk out of here carrying that same baggage. Create in us a pure heart, oh God. Father, we give you these next few moments. May we be moved to a time of repentance so that you can move mightily and powerfully in and through us. We give you this time. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.